Hello and welcome to the Remaining Sane, Finding Peace in Our Chaos podcast. This is a podcast about both theology and police work. I'm your host, Will. Today, I have on Father David. Father David is a priest of a local Orthodox church and the Dean of the South of the Russian Orthodox Church, Western Rite. Father David, how are you today? I'm doing well, Will. Good. Well, would you mind starting us out with your background and where you're from, where the the history of Father David? Oh, okay. Uh, I'll try to be as brief as possible. Uh, I was born here in the South and uh, grew up here. I uh, had moved uh, moved around very little in my early childhood. Went into military service back during the Vietnam era. Was in the Navy. Came back out and was a professional musician for quite some time. Uh, became a, a Methodist pastor and uh, pastored church here. And uh, then later, due to certain circumstances, converted to Orthodoxy and have been uh, an Orthodox Christian for 26 years and a priest for uh, roughly 18 and and a priest in this particular jurisdiction for five years now in the Russian Orthodox Church outside Russia. So for maybe our listeners that don't really know much about the Orthodox Church, um, I think that the Orthodox Church itself may be a little bit harder than, let's say, you know, the Catholic or the Presbyterian Church, like kind of nail down what it is. What what is the Rome, the Russian Orthodox the Russian Orthodox Church outside of Russia? And, well, you know. uh, we are we are a jurisdiction. We come under the Amorphion, which is the stole or the protection of the Orthodox Church in Russia, but we are uh, the church outside of Russia that. Uh, uh, also has a Western Rite jurisdiction or a Western Rite community, which is uh, uh, what I am a member of and a priest of. And uh, we uh, uh, were an offshoot. I would, well, the offshoot, I guess, is not the correct word, but we uh, are derivative from uh, the Russian Orthodox Church in uh, that back in the uh, early 1900s during the Communist Revolution, there was great suppression there. And there were a group of bishops and priests who left Russia and moved into what was in Yugoslavia and uh, began their own uh, jurisdiction. Uh, for quite some time, the Russian Orthodox Church outside Russia was what was called aut- uh, autonomous and autocephalous. In other words, it was self-governing and self, uh, self-heading. But in the uh, 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 early part of uh, the 2000s, uh, the Russian Orthodox Church uh, made uh, conciliatory arrangements with the Patriarchate of Moscow and once again came back under its jurisdiction. And so we, uh, we are allowed to, or I would say blessed, to serve here and in the Western Rite under, under the protection of that. That gives us our permission and authority as far as the uh, apostolic succession and all that is concerned to, to serve liturgy and to serve as priests. But in the, in, the in, in the greater picture, the the Orthodox Church 
is um, the church that split, you know, from the Roman Catholic Church, however you want to oh, phrase oh, that, oh, right? Oh, yeah. oh yes. Well, yeah. we, yes, uh, to, to go back as orthodoxy itself in general, uh, on the, it was founded on the day of Pentecost. Uh, when you think about it, there was only one original church, and uh, that was the church that Jesus Christ founded. So you have to ask yourself, well, what was that? So you go back to the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit descended and the church was founded. And you have to ask yourself, well, what church was this? Well, it wasn't the Roman Catholic Church because the Roman Catholic Church uh, uh, separated from the Orthodox Church, that original church, in the year 1054, uh, ostensibly, uh, uh, when uh, uh, the papal legate, uh, sent a bull of excommunication upon the altar there in Constantinople at the Hagia Sophia uh, in front of the patriarch at that time, which is Michael Carolius, and uh, was excommun- they, they excommunicated us, but then we turned around, or Michael did, yeah. and excommunicated them, you know, yeah. so fair was fair. So that was, that was the, uh, I guess, the, the time that you could identify as more or less a formal split. However, uh, things, you know, kind of went on for about another 200 years. Uh, it, was, it was sort of a mixture, you know. The things didn't just stop at that particular point. Uh, there were uh, many of, of those in the West, in Rome, who still performed the liturgy and used the Greek language, mm-hmm. you know, which, uh, and then it later turned into, you know, the, uh, the, the common uh, uh, Latin uh, and in in Greece, in Consta- excuse me, I should say in Constantinople at that time, uh, many of the people spoke Latin. So there's, you know, it, it was not just a cut and dried split at that time. This took time. It was uh, now more or less regarded that uh, it actually occurred in the year 1204. You know that that things really yeah. really came to a. Uh, a, a, a permanent split yeah. and all that, but it was from it was from the Orthodox Church that the Roman Catholic Church derived, and then from the Roman Catholic Church later during the Reformation and when Martin Luther uh, began those things that all the Protestant uh, denominations come from. Okay, so, you so know, we consider ourselves the church, the original church. We have gone down through this timeline separate from uh, the way that the Roman Catholic Church has and, and all the Protestant derivative denominations. Yeah, and as someone who, uh, the audience here knows, I'm an Anglican, so yeah. it's mm-hmm. kind of, also Anglicans are a little bit weird to, to nail down because some some Anglicans say they're Protestants, some Anglicans will actually claim to be Catholic. Yes, um, yeah, but yeah. being an Anglican and um, the the church specifically that I go to, you know, puts a great emphasis on the sacraments. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I didn't grow up Anglican, right? But uh, one of the things that has struck me, especially about the Orthodox Church, but you can find this inside um, the Roman Catholic Church. Um, you can especially fi- you can also find it inside of some Anglican churches is yes. the, the sacramental lifestyle right, right? Mm-hmm. Um, in the pre in one of our previous episodes um, Dr. Justin Barnard one of the his solution more or less to a nihilistic outlook on life was fully participating in the liturgies and you know the sacraments of the church, right? right. Yes. Mm-hmm. One of the things that strikes me about the Orthodox Church and every Orthodox Christian that I know participates in the sacraments, 
mm-hmm. is that how central the sacraments are yes. to his yeah. or her life, right? Yes. yes. Um, would you mind just you know defining what the sacraments are, like <laughs> what you, you know what what a sacrament is? Okay. Um, yeah. And uh, then uh, yeah, yeah. go ahead. Yeah. To to uh, to us in Orthodoxy, we we usually refer to those sacraments as a mystery. Uh, we we know that uh, God, the Holy Spirit, operates within them, but we don't try to uh, uh, nail this down legalistically or anything and make a definition as to how or why. Uh, we accept it for what it is. We don't know how, how, how these things work necessarily. We take the we take the word of the fathers of the church, the word that is in Scripture, and those things that we have been taught through apostolic tradition. Uh, as, as they are. Uh, we accept them as, as they are now. Uh, in, uh, uh, I, I think, most uh, denominations uh, who observe these things and within the Catholic Church, they usually enumerate the sacraments as being seven. Uh, we know that, yes, yeah, you, you have those, but in Orthodoxy, because of the fact that uh, we're not uh, uh, taken back by uh, dealing with a mystery, we know that there are more than seven. Uh, one of the sacraments, uh, or one of the mysteries of the church, was what uh, we had, uh, I think we're going to talk about today, was the mystery of confession. It is considered a sacrament to us also. These are things that are holy to us. Uh, you mentioned about the Eucharist earlier, uh, the sacraments of the church, the mysteries. In Orthodoxy, the Eucharist is considered the medicine of immortality. Uh, in Orthodoxy, we look at uh, salvation a bit differently from the way things are viewed in the West and in uh, Protestant denominations. It's so much that it is not uh, original sin that we try to uh, uh, make up for or, or adjust or heal ourselves of, but it is uh, called ancestral sin within Orthodoxy. And it is the sin that our original father and mother, Adam and Eve, uh, uh, committed, and uh, we are not, uh, you know, going to be held responsible for what they did. But we need to be healed of those consequences, which is the corruption of our of our flesh. The the uh, uh, I would say the initiation of the passions that we have and those things because of the fall. And so we look at it a bit differently and know that sin for us is an illness. It is a sickness that was instituted at that particular point, and so we need healing for that. Yeah. One of the ways that we heal, or, or some of the medicine that we take for that, is, uh, our, is confession and repentance. Uh, had Adam and Eve repented uh, when God walked in the garden that day, we probably wouldn't be in the shape that we're in now anyway, but that's beside the point. But... Uh, we look upon, uh, of course, as repentance as being an extremely important thing, and so through the sacrament of confession, we repent of our sins, which are these things that uh, are are within us because of the disease of sin that we have. And, and that, we, that's something that I've I've brought up before, right? I, I think uh-huh. I mentioned in one of the previous episodes that I believe that if if confession were to be instituted worldwide, make it mandatory, that our mm. mental health problems would slice in half. Oh, I, yeah, more. it's it's a, 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 a it is a catharsis, you know, for us mentally and psychologically as well 
mm-hmm. as, a, as a healing process that is given to us by the grace of God. Well, let's define catharsis. A catharsis yeah, it would, would be something that is alleviating, something that is relieving, uh, something is like having, oh, a load lifted off of you, you see. Okay. Mm-hmm. And, but, you know, at, on a personal note, I mean, as, as a police officer, mm-hmm. um, I have noticed that not only because of my own sin, but sin that I see every day. Yes. Right. Um, mm-hmm. I, th- I think that, you know, that, that starts to, to weigh on you. Yes. You start to, you start to, I don't want to say like you embody some sin. No. You, you feel like you, you, you take it on a little well, bit. You, you, you see these things, you cannot help but notice them. And, and, and it's, it's like, uh, uh, well, I, I think, I think in wartime or something, people see so much violence, so much killing, uh, maiming and things of that nature that you you uh, after a while you become a little bit uh, desensitized mm-hmm. uh, not necessarily hardened but you're desensitized to these things and that changes you internally also uh, there's a great deal of stress that's involved I think uh, uh, in the everyday life of, of a police officer when he is on uh, when he's on duty you know, you don't always know the outcome of the situation when you uh, go into it. And so it, all these things are very stressful. Uh, and, and that consequently you can, uh, uh, can do a great deal of damage to you physically over a period of time. Yeah. You know, I, I forget who it is. I can't think of his last name, but there was a professor at Stanford University uh, when uh, there was a study that came out at one point that mentioned that, you know, all disease, all physical disease that we have, and the illnesses that we have, are uh, due 90% to stress. And I, can't, I, I, I cannot remember his last name. His first name was Bruce. He was a professor of neurology and uh, studied there at, at Stanford University. And he disagreed with that study. He said, no, that's incorrect. It's more like 95%, you know. And so this, this is where we are today with, with just uh, uh, the average person. And so you just think of the stress that is put upon the police officer as he goes about his duty every day. You know, the, the, I, I would think that it's increased, you know, uh, not necessarily exponentially, but it's certainly increased. Yeah. Especially, and, like, when we, you know, don't have as many people on the street right yeah, now. Yes, you know, people yes, don't want to yes, do this job. Yes, right. And you know, I, I don't blame people. You know, this is a no, stressful job. It is, <laughs> yes, right? absolutely. Um, absolutely. And, you know, and then on top of that, you think of, this is something also uh, you, you saw with, with Vietnam, right? In Vietnam, you... It was the first time that we actually saw war for what it was, mm-hmm, instead mm-hmm. of just a romanticized I think, yeah, version yeah. of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I think with the prevalence of body cameras, you know, we we think, actually yes, see the yes. policing, the day to day policing yes, yes. for what it is every day, right? And so, yes. uh, and it it can be romanticized, and there are really good things that you know. I I think that I've done a couple of really good things. Yes. I know many mm-hmm. cops have done really good yes. things, but. Also, there's, you know, for every good thing you do, there's 10 really bad oh, things yes. you see, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, well, so, you know, the, the great question is, we see all this stuff. We, um, you know, we, we, this is something else um, I brought up before. We, not only do we see it, but we experience it with our 
with, yeah, with, with our with senses, your, yes, right? With your being, like, yes, you yeah, do. you know, yes, we you're, smell yeah. it, right? Yes, yes. We walk into somebody's nasty yes, house and we yes. smell it, right? We even touch it. I mean, yes. Yeah. And so, um, you know, we, we've put ourselves in that situation where we see all this stuff all the time, right? And we need to get it out of our system, right? Yes. I've, I've talked, you know, many cops, what, in whatever way they do it, they find a way to almost like cleanse themselves before they go into their own home to not bring some of that stuff with them. Right. And from what I understand, uh, the Orthodox church and, you know, even the Catholic church or, you know, I know the Anglican church sees confession almost like a way to purge sin out of you. Right. Is uh, that, it is to, uh, to, to some degree. Uh, yes. Uh, uh, confession with us in the Orthodox church is done, uh, with a priest. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is not simply uh, a benign counseling session for us. Again, as I say, it's a sacrament. Uh, it is done with the priest uh, standing, uh, standing beside you. You don't confess to the priest. The priest is merely a witness. You're confessing to God. Uh, the priest uh, has, uh, by the authority that is vested in him by the grace of God and his ordination, is empowered by the Lord Jesus Christ to give you absolution for your sins. Now, he doesn't forgive sin. Only the, only God, only the Lord can forgive sin, but the priest is doing that in, uh, in a representative manner there and making the absolution. Uh, in, in the early church, uh, all confession was done publicly in front of the entire congregation, you see, which I, I would think, you know, would kind of... Uh, uh, mitigate a lot of things and, and, and hold back on the commission of, uh, of many sins, you know, because you didn't want the whole neighborhood to know what you were up to. But uh, uh, then as, as the church grew and as time passed, there were uh, those people who came into the church who were, who were uh, looking into the catechumenate or, or uh, inquirers into, into the Orthodox Church in the first place. And because of that, uh, it was not wise and also not practical any longer to do the public confessions in front of the uh, entire congregation. The Lord, uh, in His grace, allows the priest to stand in for that congregation and uh, uh, hear the confession and witness it which is actually what he's doing uh, uh, in, in front. He usually comes in with the, with the, uh, the confessor, and uh, they stand before an icon of Jesus Christ, and the priest says a short prayer. Uh, you know, usually something like, Behold my son or my daughter or my child. Uh, Jesus stands here invisibly before us. I am but a witness, so confess all, holding nothing back from pure shame so that Having come to the great physician, you're not depart unhealed. And then the con- uh, confessor goes ahead and confesses the sins, after which the priest gives him absolution. Here again, you're talking about the police officer cleansing himself or wishing to do so before he even enters his home. This is, uh, here again, you've, you know, you've defined catharsis yourself there in, 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 in saying that. And that's what uh, that's what confession is uh, on on one level. On the other level, when you receive absolution, you are assured of the fact that the Lord has forgiven you of those sins, and it's like uh, uh, you begin again. In uh, 
I've always been impressed by uh, St. Benedict and over the door of uh, the monastery there in the entrance of the chapel, or used to be, I'm not sure, at, at uh, the monastery in Monte Cassino, uh, St. Benedict had written, you know, Hodie, uh, 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 Iterum uh, Incipere, uh, which in uh, Latin translation into English is today we begin again. So every day, you, you know, you're, you're starting again. Yep. And uh, confession is given to us because we as Christians certainly want to live a life uh, as close to the model that Jesus has given us as we possibly can, but we also know that uh, we, we fall short of that. Yeah. We do so every time we try and every day. Every day. day. <laughs> yes, every day we do. And so, uh, you know, when we when we do these things, and we in Orthodoxy too, we don't have degrees of sin. In other words, like uh, uh, it's not uh, enumerated by uh, by the intensity or the uh, seriousness of sin. It's all the same with us. The word for sin that, that uh, we find originally in the Greek is hamartia which uh, translates as missing the mark. In other words, it had to do originally with archery, you know, and you you shoot and you miss, you know. And if you're, you know, any Christian who knows anything about himself, if he's honest with himself, knows that he misses every day, Mm -hmm. you know, that goal of of, of following and being in the footsteps of Jesus and, uh, you know, following the commandments of Christ. Uh, every day and living that life as he knows he should we fail and so then of course knowing this we want to confess our sins because we're told to in scripture we're we're told to well um so two questions for you Mm -hmm. the the first one um is where do we find this in scripture number two is an argument that i've heard from other police officers and just really people in general um is that they, that we, sh- an argument against confession, right? Is that we shouldn't confess our sins because uh, we don't want to revisit the bad things and we'll just do them again over and over. Um, would you mind, you know, first talking about where we find confession in the Bible, and then number mm-hmm. two, kind of dispelling that 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 argument? Oh, okay. Well, I'm I'm by no means qualified <laughs> properly to do that but I in uh, uh, we run into uh, uh, confession in in many places in scripture in the Old Testament uh, in numbers the book of numbers uh, chapter 5 uh, seventh uh, stated that you know it says that he shall confess the sin which he hath committed and he shall make restitution for his trespass in full plus one-fifth of it and give it to the one that he is wrong this was you know, uh, set down for the Hebrews uh, in Second Samuel, when uh, the prophet Nathan confronts David with the sin that he committed with Bathsheba, and having had Uriah uh, 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 killed, or, you know, had had the men who were around Uriah who protected him to step aside so that he would be killed in battle. Uh, Nathan confronted David with this sin. David admitted it. You know, publicly there, he said, uh, it said to the prophet Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said to David, the Lord also hath taken away thy sin, and thou shalt not die. This was the impetus for uh, for David writing the, uh, what we you know number is the 50th Psalm, which is known as the Miserere Dei, you know, which is Lord have mercy on me, which is a... Uh, uh, 
uh, one that is used uh, very prominently in, in the offices, daily offices in the church. Uh, in Nehemiah, uh, when Nehemiah, who was uh, at one time the cupbearer to, uh, to the king uh, Artaxerxes, uh, went back to Jerusalem to restore the temple and to restore Jerusalem after uh, the destruction that was done by Babylon. Uh, in, in Nehemiah, in the chapter, uh, excuse me, the ninth chapter, it says, The seed of Israel separated themselves from all the strangers, and, and they stood and confessed their sins and the iniquities of their fathers. It says they stood up in their place, and they read the book of the law of the Lord. And uh, so this was done publicly, and so there was public confession there of all of them of their sins. And then, if you move to the New Testament, uh, we find that the confession of sins, repentance, was required by John the Baptist in Matthew, uh, the third chapter, six verse, it says, and uh, were baptized of him in Jordan, all these people confessing their sins. Again in Mark, it says, and there went out into them all the land of Judea, and they of Jerusalem, and they were all baptized of him in the river of Jordan, confessing their sins. So these were public confessions. Again, in the New Testament church, later on, we see in Scripture in James that uh, we're told to confess our faults one to another and to pray one for another that we may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. In the book of Acts, uh, we're told that many who had believed came confessing and telling their deeds. This again was public confession. In First uh, John, we see that John tells us that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. So it's not uh, uh, by any means a, a recent innovation of the church or anything, confession. This is something that is uh, testified of in Scripture from the Old Testament all the way up to the New Testament church. So, yeah. Yeah. so you know, there's, a, there's a lot of backing to it. Yes, yeah, it's not something that we just thought up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think anything in the Orthodox Church is <laughs> no, something that no, no, people no. just thought no, up. Yeah. No, um, no. So, uh, to the you know, the, the second question, right? Mm -hmm. You know, um, on, on a personal note, I have noticed that confession of sin when when I first started actively confessing sin, mm -hmm. it was mm -hmm. scary, right? Because you know you don't want to go up to someone else and say, "Hey, here's where I've messed yes, up." Yes. You know. Yes. But the more I've done it, the more I have, you know, that that fear it has uh, dispelled, right? Because yes. really, in, in some ways, that, that fear is pride, right? Because you, yes. you, you don't yes. want to be yes. seen yes. as, no. you know, a sinner, right? Well, we don't course. like that term. No. Um, but also, I have noticed that, you know, the, the more that I confess sin, the more in tune I am with you know, sin that maybe I didn't realize that I was committing yes, yes, or, yes. you know, it, the great, it, yes, yes. And it, it opens you up to the, the d degrees of which, you know, we sin every day. And yes, so, you know, maybe as, yes. you're doing something very grave every day. Right. Yes. But then you don't realize, oh, maybe I'm messing up in the small way. Right. And it, and you know, sin, because it is sin, you said it is missing the mark, right? It yes. Is, it is mm -hmm. not directly trying to follow you know, being in the body of Christ, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, in it, I, I personally think that confession of sin helps you orient yourself back into 
the body of Christ. Of course. Which is yes, what, yes. you know, where we find peace. It's a, and, yes, it's a reconciliation. Yeah. Uh, and we realize that uh, through through confession, through through regular confession, through getting into the habit of confession, uh, we're blessed by the fact that the grace of God gives us insight into our sinfulness uh, and, and shows us even those, those particular little things that we may have omitted before we begin to realize, oh, my goodness, I've been doing this, you know, and, and didn't even know, and I should be confessing this also. He allows us to see uh, those things that, that are within us, that uh, allows, allows us to discover them, uncover them. And the more that we do that, again, we go back to that, uh, that word catharsis, I think, uh, in that it is an alleviation, it is, uh, and and we have that feeling of reconciliation back into the bottom of Christ, uh, into the body of Christ, uh, when we know that we have been forgiven, when we have an, and and this is where this is where uh, the confession with the priest is is uh, extremely about. You know, you can talk to someone, you can go and talk to a psychiatrist, you can go and talk to a psychologist, you can confess your faults to them, and, and on, but it's not the same thing. Here again, it's not that would become more or less just a benign counseling session. Within uh, within the Orthodox confession, when you confess to uh, to God uh, in, uh, with a priest as a witness, the priest is then allowed to give you absolution. This is a a confirmation or reassurance of the forgiveness of those sins and that reconciliation back into the bottom of Christ. And the, I don't know why I can't talk some days. I should admit to say body of Christ and. Uh, you're 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 assured of your reconciliation and reinstitution in, into that, and uh, here again, that's a, that's a wonderful thing. Well, I think with that, we're going to take a short break. And we're back. Uh, Father David, one of the questions that I wanted to ask you is, let's say uh, I'm not Orthodox. I don't really have an interest in becoming an, or, you know, an Orthodox Christian, uh, but I still want to start practicing confession because, you know, I believe that it's important for me to do so, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, like, for example, you know, I'm not an Orthodox Christian, but I we have our own right uh, or sacrament of confession in the Anglican Church. Right. And so not occasionally, I, you know, I'll do that. Uh, what what advice would you give to someone who's not Orthodox and but still wants to maybe practice do, doing a confession here mm -hmm. or there? Okay. Um, you know, mm -hmm. any thoughts on that? Mm -hmm. uh, that is, uh, uh, for me, that's a difficult question, being an Orthodox priest, but I think... Uh, the uh, the best uh, advice that I could give in you know in, in that situation would be that they could perhaps talk to their particular minister or pastor if they have one about these things uh, a friend a confidant uh, perhaps uh, if when they feel it's necessary uh, you could if they wanted to come and talk to an Orthodox priest. Uh, 
they could they could confess to him if if they desire the priest could simply hear that he would be still be obligated under the seal of confession not to reveal anything but the difference would be is that he is unable to give absolution to someone who is not an orthodox christian uh that you know is uh, are the only alternatives that I can think of because in 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 the church, in the Orthodox Church, as far as we again I reiterate that we use uh, confession as a sacrament and a mystery of the church. Uh, some people uh, uh, want to ask, well, you know, uh, why can't I why can't I just confess to God privately? Why can't I just do that on my own? Uh, and you you uh, you certainly can. Uh, you know, they will ask, well, why do I need a priest? And uh, you most certainly can confess to God in personal prayer. However, there is no clear biblical basis for this. As you know, as I, as I said before earlier, you know, we have uh, many precedents in the Old Testament, in the New Testament church, and so on for in Scripture. And uh, this is without even uh, well ever having even touched on the sayings of the church fathers, of which we go by in the early church, the apostles and and their successors. Uh, uh, general confession occurs uh, itself, you know, when we in the Orthodox Church uh, do in divine liturgy, we have a general confession that we all say, uh, and people can do something like this too. Uh, uh, and it's easy for us to pray in isolations when we uh, when we confess our sins. But the thing is about that is that uh, it's not the same as and not as effective we feel as a confession that's allowed to God, who is uh, done in the witness of a priest. And uh, from that witness of the priest, uh, guidance and and suggestions uh, can be suggested. Uh, we don't give uh, penance in the Orthodox Church in the same way that people do penance in the Catholic Church. In other words, it's not uh, to uh, to uh, say sort three of, Hail Marys. And, yes, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Or, or as you know, as in Dostoevsky, you know, crime and punishment. It's not that. Uh, we consider it, uh, as they say, uh, sin itself as being a disease and illness. Uh, of, of of our of our flesh of our of our humanity, and so penance is given as a medicine. In other words, a priest is like a spiritual doctor. He is given on uh, by uh, uh, by the occasion of his ordination. He is given by the grace of God uh, faculties to advise in 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 certain situations like this, and so he more or less like a spiritual doctor prescribes a, a medicine for a particular thing. It's different for everybody because, and uh, then again, not different for everybody depending upon the situation and that particular sin, and what he knowing that person or being familiar with him and are familiar with that sin would prescribe as an antidote. Or you know a a cure, uh, something that would help that person heal and uh, help them on their journey to salvation yeah. and to theosis. Well, that's something that I want to explore just a little bit further because um, we as police officers, you know, one of our main duties is arresting people, and a lot of times if you get arrested for something serious, right, right you go to prison. Right? Yes, mm-hmm. and the whole idea behind prison is that it is you know punishment, or it is 
penance. So that's why you get, yeah. that's where you get the term penitentiary from, yes, right? right? Yes, absolutely. And so you you know you have to do your penance to society for right. having done yes, something yes, bad, yes. right? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And hope you know here hopefully during that time there's a there's some rehabilitation that goes and a yeah. repentance, a turnaround, you know, the, yeah. yeah, and you know and that, that individual, yeah, because you know we we all know prison's not fun, right? Absolutely, <laughs> and yeah. so. Yeah. Um, I've, I've never been, but Not me either, but, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I, so it's something that I have heard from people, um, that, you know, have been to prison and turned around and turn, is that yeah. they first realized the, the crime that he or, he or she was committing and then, you know, confessed in some way, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. That he or she was super involved in this crime, right? And then started to turn you know, his or her life um, around. Yes, right? yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. Um, I, I assume that that's that's how the Orthodox Church sees sin, right? It it this is another thing that I I really like to dive into is that it is very cyclical, right? Yes, as, as you yes. do sin, you sin more. Right. Well, yeah, uh, when, when you know when uh, the idea, uh, uh, or I see the correlation about what you said there, uh, is that when uh, you know when when we sin and we confess, we repent, and the repentance is that thing. Repentance is is a turnaround. You know, in other words, a hundred and eighty degree turnaround from what we want to do. This is we we don't want to commit that sin again. We don't want to do that. You know, we want to change our lives, and uh, the repentance uh, and confession help us in doing that. The guidance that the priest gives uh, is an aid in in helping to maintain that repentance. Many times, you know, there there are like you say that these things are cyclical. A person who has a habitual sin, or or something, you know, that. Uh, uh, is uh, brought about, triggered by the passions or whatever, and they commit over and over and over again. Uh, these are things that have to be looked at in in more depth, you know, by the priest in confession and what he uh, would administer as a medicine or a uh, uh, a counter to that, uh, or, or you know, the penance, so to speak. Um, and and you know, sometimes penance. Isn't fun. It's not. It's not supposed oh, no, to be no, no, right. No, no, yeah. no. But we, you know, here again, it's not. It's not a punishment. Yeah. We don't. We don't issue that. As and it's a suggestion. We'd say, you know, to someone who had a particular problem, there. Uh, I mean, oh, there's a, a multitude of uh, 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 prayers and remedies for these things that can be suggested. We might suggest a particular. Well, I want you to go. Why, why don't you uh, think about reading the life of this particular saint? Let's say someone had a, a particular problem with. Uh, let's say alcoholism. That's something that I see a lot. Can you mind? Let's say someone has an issue with uh, just drinking, uh, just drinking over yeah, and over, yeah, yeah. U- using to alcohol point. to to numb mm-hmm. the pain mm-hmm. of the mm-hmm. stuff they see around all the time. I can't, at, at, you know, at this particular moment, I cannot think of yeah. a saint that uh, whose life would, would benefit you from studying as far as alcoholism, but, but I do, and I think many people who, especially or there, who study the life of the saints, you know, know that one of the things that uh, uh, plagues us in, in society today, uh, particularly, is sexual sin. Mm-hmm. We're just, you know, everywhere you turn, 
on television, on you know, in in novels and all these things. Every read your at display. the gym. Yes, every, yeah. everywhere. Yes, yes. And one of you know, and so you know, I, uh, uh, this is something that a priest hears a lot about during confession. You know. Our, our sexual sins. One of the one of the remedies for that, or one of the things that would help, would be reading the life of Saint Mary of Egypt, who was a uh, just an overt, uh, what for lack of a better term, they would be called a sex addict. You know, she was very promiscuous, and uh, uh, her life made again, made, you know, someone who made a complete turnaround because of their uh, uh, confrontation with uh, with the Lord Jesus Christ coming into contact with him. And uh, so, you know, these things like that, particular lives of saints, particular prayers that those saints may have written or said themselves or that they recommended are, are, are wonderful things to, uh, to help that penitent, you know, overcome that sin. Yeah. And so by repetition, you know, the, these things are, are, are great aids. Yeah. That, that's something that I've also found the Anglican tradition to be very good is mm-hmm. having you know set prayers right saying yes. you know Saint mm-hmm. John of Christendom's prayer yes a lot or uh, you know having the daily office where we say right you know, the different absolutely already yes. set prayers praying right? the Psalms and those things yeah. yes uh, yes because yeah. you know these are prayers that ha- have already been. I, I don't want to use the word sanctified, but mm-hmm. they've already been. I don't well, they're they're very they're very what we call efficacious. They're you know they're very they're they're very beneficial. There's not anything that you or I are going to do uh, uh, any sin that we could come up with. We're not going to we're not going to invent any new thing, you know, that a saint at some point hasn't already dealt with. And so if we you know in our in our true journey. And our true desire to follow the life of Jesus Christ, you know, we would uh, hopefully begin to research those things, those things that God, by His grace, reveals to us that we need to really deal with in our lives, whether they be out-and-out sins or just difficulties, things that we need to overcome. Uh, we, we have a wealth of, uh, of information and things available to us through the saints and the fathers of the church to help heal us of these things so we're very blessed in that regard we're also very blessed today in the fact that anybody who has connection to the internet uh could more or less just type in those things and you know a saint will pop up you know (laughs) now so you don't have to do the research is not so hard or extensive anymore which is wonderful well uh, father david before we end uh would you mind giving us maybe a couple parting words of wisdom about confession or maybe just to a police officer as a whole just to, just to the police officers? Well, first of all, I, I would want to certainly thank them for their dedication and service because it's extremely difficult, especially in this time when there are so many people who seem to be uh, vocally opposing that profession. Uh, what I would say to them is that just as anyone, the one, the, the one thing that will give you true relief and uh, uh, confidence in what you're doing is a relationship, a personal relationship with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Uh, once you come to that, uh, you will find that His grace will lead you step by step on to further things. You will, uh, you will then, in your occupation as a police officer, be, uh, I think, uh, better in performance in your duties. Uh, you will feel better about 
what you're doing mentally, emotionally, and above all spiritually because of that relationship. So whatever you whatever you choose to do, you know, uh, do is what, what Jesus said, seek ye first the kingdom of God and everything else will be added to you after that. Amen. Well, thank you for listening to our episode today. Remember, if you have any questions, comments, uh, you can email remaining sane podcast at gmail.com. Once again, that's the remaining sane podcast at gmail.com. You can also find us on Twitter at, at remaining sane PC. Uh, thank you for listening today and have a blessed rest of your day.